Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. In Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 7, it reads, Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they went to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? There make ready. Then he'll show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover, which was really that Jewish feast that they would do every single year. Kind of like, you know, our turkey for Thanksgiving or a ham or tamales at Christmas Eve. Well, you don't do tamales? Dude, you got to come to my place, man. So verse 14, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat the, this Passover with you before I suffer. Wow. That just must have been stunning to hear. They just threw a parade for you, Jesus. What do you mean talking about suffering? What are you talking about? But he knew. He knew. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. You know, a lot of times, as your pastor, I will challenge you. I, I will push you to do something that sometimes isn't comfortable. It might be comfortable inside the four walls of the church, but outside the four walls of the church, not so easy. But, but I am thrilled because Ryan and Nicole took the challenge. The challenge was to do this communion with family. And so they had Thanksgiving at their place. And Ryan literally took the scriptures, just like I just read, and just told everybody at his house, he says, I want to do this before we carve the turkey. And he read the scriptures. And then he asked everybody, could you share what you're thankful for? Just real short, and we'll go around the table. Nicole, how many? You're on 20? There's a dozen. And they went one by one, and Ryan tells me that the place was a wreck. In the best of ways. Because everybody couldn't help it but start crying. And they, they felt something. You know, sometimes we wait for a funeral before we say, I love you. A little late. 
But maybe at a Christmas, maybe at a Thanksgiving, maybe at an Easter, whenever you get opportunity, I encourage you to allow God and His Holy Spirit just to move through your home because you dared to open up the Scripture and then say, thank you. And say, I love you. So please uh, consider that. And, and I also want to give God thanks because we've been praying uh, for Judy, Judy Aguilar. And I understand that we have a true miracle. She's had cancer for how long, Judy? So at, at least almost three, almost four years now. Four years. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was three. I didn't realize it was four. It was stage four cancer. It was over. It was just counting down, enjoying what holidays you could have. But what I understand now is the cancer is in complete remission, and they're, they're saying it's a cure. And we, we call it a complete healing in the name of Jesus. Amen? <laughs> That's right. That's right. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. You know that God doesn't have favorites. Um, I did that. I've told you that before. I went to each one of my kids in a very secret moment over the period of time. I told each and every single one of them, I said, I just, I just want you to know how much I love you and that you're my favorite, but don't tell anybody else in the family. <laughs> Until one of them blabbed. And then they, they, they went to take dad to task. And they all confronted me. Dad, you said I was your favorite, but you told everybody else. And I said, I never lied. I said, each and every single one of you, you're my favorite. And then they all looked at me. That's not funny, Dad. I said, no, it's not. Because it's true. I love you. And I want you to know, if God can do a healing for Judy, if God can do a miracle of Thanksgiving for Ryan, he can do that for you. It was on that last meal that Jesus took the bread. And he said this represents his body that would be broken. And it was. They flogged him. They ripped his beard out. They brutalized him. And he says, as he's making a brand new covenant, he says, take this. And they all took it together. And so do we. At the end of the meal, Jesus took the cup and He said that He would not ever partake of this ever again until it found fulfillment in the kingdom of God. But He wanted His disciples to. And He said that this cup represented His blood. Much like because it was Passover season, all the, the lambs that were being slaughtered because of the what they had to do, the Passover. Remember the blood? Remember from Moses, they would put the blood over the, the, the header and, and the doorposts? And he's saying that he was the Lamb of God. And that as they would take it, they were now being a part of the new covenant. That it wouldn't be a covering of sin, it would be the forgiving of sin as far as the East is from the West. And so they would take it together. And so do we. Will you take it with me? Father, I pray a blessing on your people. Lord, as we begin this season of Advent, we begin to recognize and realize 
as beautiful as Christmas is with the lights, the trees, the presents, the ugly Christmas sweaters. Lord, it means nothing without Easter. So Father, we can't take one without the other. And so we begin this Advent season with the understanding that Christmas is beautiful because of the sacrifice at Easter. So we give our Lord, our Savior, Father, our hearts, and our thanks, our gratitude. We bless You, Lord. We pray Your will. We pray Your way. In Jesus' holy name, Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, Advent is a joyous season of expectation, of anticipation. As we look to Christmas morning and the celebration of the birth of our blessed Savior. Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, was born. And during this annual celebration of Jesus' arrival on earth, we're reminded of the hope we have in Jesus. The birth of Jesus, among other things, was literally prophesied thousands of years before He was even born. For many... These prophesied events gave them this great hope in the midst of their pain and of their suffering because they were Jewish. They were the Israelites. They were Hebrew. I mean, think about what they all went through. Whether it was the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar and the captivity of Babylon drawing them all out. Where we get the stories of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. How they lost everything. How the Romans had taken over. How Herod was just that puppet king who was just brutal. Can you imagine hearing the excitement the Messiah is coming? Well, Lord, I just pray. I pray, Lord, we would understand that Your arrival changed everything on that Christmas morning. Thank You for coming to restore, to renew, and to set all things right again. Fill us with Your hope, Lord. Fill us with Your hope. Fill us with Your peace this Christmas season. And give us the courage to share hope, peace, joy, love, Christ with someone else this year. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin by taking a little journey back to a place called Bethlehem. Back to where the miraculous birth of Jesus changed the world forever. Do you know it was so powerful that it impacts our calendar? We have B.C. and A.D. B.C. literally stands for before Christ. Do you know how today... The corruptness, the ugliness, the paganness, the hatred of Christ is now B.C.E. and A.D.E. So now they're wanting us to believe that it's before common era and after. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous the amount of effort people will go through to try to rewrite history and to eliminate Jesus. Be careful. Be careful that 
that doesn't plague you. It's easy to get captured by all these little subtle things. Who cares? Well, it, it makes a big deal because you get one generation out and that now becomes, what do you mean before Christ? You're making up something. Be careful. I know it doesn't impact you, right? We're in a season of life where we never, some of you probably never even heard of BCE and, and ADE. But I'll guarantee you when you go to the college and the, and the high schools, it's all in the books now. And it's a very, very subtle thing. Be careful. Now, the season of Advent is a significant religious season observed in various Christian faiths. And it encompasses the weeks leading up to Christmas, and it's always concluded on Christmas Eve, not Christmas morning. Advent serves as a really as a time of preparation, a time of reflection and anticipation for the celebration and the birth of Jesus Christ, as well as the anticipation of Easter and His soon coming return for all of us. The word Advent is derived from a Latin word where we get the word Adventus. It literally means the coming or the arrival. And during the season, Christmas, believers focus on the themes of hope, Peace, joy, and love. And then finally, on Christmas Eve, Christ. It's why we have this Advent wreath. It's in a circle. God is, His love for us is never ending, has no beginning, has no ending. Sounds like a wedding, I know. Then there's these five candles. And we're covering two of them today, hope and peace. That's why there's only two that are lit. And then we'll be covering joy, love, and then finally on Christmas Eve, we'll be covering Christ. See, it's, it's not only just a countdown, but it's an idea of preparation for our hearts. Are we filling ourselves with great hope? Are we, are we allowing Jesus to bring us peace? Are we allowing His joy, which literally goes, there's a difference between being happy and being joyful. They're very different. There is an idea that when I'm, I'm full of joy, that even when it's like a massive storm around me, I, I'm, I'm still okay. I'm still okay. See, joy, it controls my attitude. Happy is because somebody did something or somebody gave me something. Woo, that made me happy because it was a great gift. But joy goes beyond just the moment. It's deep into the soul. We'll get into that. As we look to Christmas, that annual celebration of Jesus' arrival, His birth on earth, we're reminded of the hope we have in Him because of Him. The birth of Jesus, among other things, was prophesied about literally generations upon generations before. And these prophesied events gave the, 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 the early church believers this great hope in the midst of all of this pain, of all of this suffering they were facing. And today, we too remember that we have all the reason in the world to be filled with hope because of Christ. Even in your pain and in your suffering, 
or even in the pain and suffering of those that you care and love. To help frame our time together, we're, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. We'll start at verse 6. I believe this is just such a key scripture that literally prophesied the birth of Jesus and shows Jesus as really the source of the future hope for all of humanity. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, this verse, it heralds the promise of the coming king. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We know that this child was nobody else but Jesus. It wasn't John the baptizer. It was Jesus. We know that we, we know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And by the way, the word Messiah is Hebrew and the word Christ is Greek. Guess what? They're the synonym. They're the same word, but just in different languages. What did it feel like to hear this promise and how did this promise age over the centuries as the Jewish people face an increasing amount of oppression and the destruction from various rulers. There, there came one point in time where every rock was literally flipped over. Nothing was left unturned. Jesus prophesied that. So the different interpretations and the expectations of the Messiah evolved over time. And they were influenced by the prophetic writings, by the religious teachings, and, and by the oral traditions. Some anticipated that Jesus was going to be a military leader, a warlord. Others believed that He was going to be a spiritual leader, the, the highest of high priests. And the Messiah was seen ultimately as a fulfillment of the divine promises that were prophesied. The Messiah represented the hope of a future where the people of God would be not only redeemed, but they would be restored. They would be restored to their homeland and return to a time of peace and prosperity. The belief in the Messiah, that just brought hope. The hope of a figure, of a leader who would bring about a significant transformation in the lives of God's people of the world. And that brings us back to the most amazing truth of this prophetic hope. It all came down over 2,000 years ago in a little place called Bethlehem where some guy named David was first born. Then later, Jesus was born. Meaning the Messiah had arrived. Jesus being born brought the kingdom and the promises of God with Him. In Isaiah 6, we read that phrase, and the government will be upon His shoulder. 
which is a metaphorical expression that, that really emphasizes the authority, the rule, the dominion that would rest upon the promised Messiah. I don't know about you, but I can't help it, but sometimes I read this and the governor will be upon his shoulder and, and I think of Jesus walking to Golgotha and what was on his shoulder. The burden, the heaviness of the cross. Literally the weight of all of our sin that He would hang on, He was now carrying. Do you know that the idea of a crucifixion hadn't even been designed yet when Isaiah wrote what he wrote? Is that amazing? Do you know that the word excruciating came from how horrible a crucifixion was? So to say something was really painful, really bad, they came from, it came from the cross. Excruciating crucifixion wow the phrase and the government will be upon his shoulders it it just uses that imagery of carrying the burdens of me of you why don't you let that be personal for you do you remember when you got saved some of you were little Some of you were older. He went to the cross. He carried that burden for you, for me. Because I couldn't do it on my own. Neither can you. The Messiah will, will rule and He will govern as a righteous and as a just leader in a manner that aligns with God's will. Not the will of man, but the will of God the Father, Jehovah. Today we believe that this prophetic description in Isaiah is literally fulfilled in Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah who carries the burden of the world, who rules with justice and has ultimate authority and provides salvation for you, for me. And grace and guidance to all who would follow Him. It's in Christ, in Christ alone, that we place our immediate and eternal hope. He is the reason for this season. Now, I'm going to pivot here, and I'm going to go to the second candle. The arrival of Jesus also brought with it a promise of peace that was good news to those present over 2,000 years ago. And it continues to be good news for us to this day. In Christ, we can experience a peace that is so profound that it transcends our human understanding. You know, it's, it's always amazing. Sometimes when I, when I baptize somebody and they come up out of the water, and sometimes when somebody comes up to the altar or they just give their life to the Lord, you'll talk to them and say, so how are you feeling? What do you... They, What's going on with you? What, what, talk to me. And they go, I, I can't explain how calm and peaceful I feel. See, the peace of God, it transcends your human understanding. Because it's not human. It's a spiritual event. 
and you've just encountered God. Why? Because of Christmas. Because of Christmas, we got Easter. Because of Easter, we got the Pentecost. Because of Pentecost, we get the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that peace, whoo, ain't nothing like it. I'm, I'm laughing right now for a little, I got a little uh, picture, uh, Kathy Bader sent it to me. And it's this incredible Christmas tree made out of nothing but tacos. It, it warmed my heart. <laughs> you know what's wonderful about Christmas? There are things that just warm your heart. Maybe it's them cookies or those pies. What is it? Something that you really love. And I'll tell you why. It's because of Christ. That warmth, that love, that joy, that peace is because of Christ. I, I do realize that the idea of peace seems like an improbable promise. As we live in a world immersed in war and in division, everywhere you turn, it's us versus them, them versus us. Young versus old. Old versus young. It's, just, it's ridiculous. Everything has to be against everything. And we feel like, how? It's improbable. It seems impossible that there could be peace in this world, in this day, in the history of life that we live in. But I'm telling you, that's the lie from the pit of hell. God's in the business of the impossible. Paul wrote something here in Philippians as he wrote this letter to the church there in Philippi. And it says, chapter 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Really? Lord, I know Paul was real special to you, but I think he had a missed moment here. Can I slap him for you? Tell me not to worry about anything. Do you know how bad this situation is over here? Do you know how bad that situation is over here? Do you know what God would say? Do you know how big I am, son? Listen to Paul. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Have you ever thought about that? You got this problem, you got that problem, but you never went ahead and stopped to say, God, I got a problem. I mean, you told everybody. You told the neighbor, you told the, the mailman, you told everybody about your problem. You talked to them at Rayleigh's, you talked to them over there at Safeway. You told everybody about your problem, and God's over here going, right here, I got big ears, boy, just talk to me. You're talking all around it, but you're not talking to the king. He's got all power and authority. Come on, Marvin, get on your knees. Tell me about it. Gotta, I need some acreage and a building for your church. No, all of us say amen. amen. Make it happen, Lord. 
All right, let's get back to this verse. Verse 7. Well, let's finish up that, that back part of verse 6. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. I, I love that about Thanksgiving. Then you will experience what? Oh, whoa. You mean if I told everybody else about my big problems, I'm going to be what? Frustrated and worried and full of anxiety. But if I go over to the cross and I get on my knees and I tell God all about it and I hand it over to him, I release it and say, I'll take my hope in you, Lord, and I just leave it there. And then he says, I'll give you what? Peace. Whose peace? His peace. A whole lot better than Marvin's peace. God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling overwhelmed, discouraged, worried, fearful, frustrated this Christmas season, then I want you to know you're in the right place today. And I'll tell you, it's a real simple deal. Get on your knees. And just tell him. Tell him what's up. Well, he already knows. I know he knows. So do you. So does he. But the idea is going to him in faith. That he can handle it in the way that you probably shouldn't. Why? Because I'm full of sin. Without him, I'm corrupt. But if I go to him... He will guide my heart, my mind, my thoughts. And all of a sudden, I'll be on the perfect path. And He'll deal with things in a way that I could never deal with it. I won't even have to say a word. He'll just deal with it. He'll bring peace to it. In Isaiah 11, there's a beautiful picture of the type of peace and harmony that will come with the reign of the Messiah. It's a description of the, of the future and a picture of how the peace of God can be present in your life here and actually right now. Let's look at this in verse 6 and 8. Again, Isaiah chapter 11. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. I don't know about you, but most wolves like eating lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. What? The calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. What is going on here? Isaiah is speaking about the future. He's speaking about what heaven's going to look like. That there's going to be unity, there's going to be peace. And that those natural enemies are going to be living in harmony. We understand these images and these improbable natural enemies to become friends. How? How is the wolf 
in the lamb. How the leopard with the young goat. How a child putting their hand in a lion's den. It's because of Jesus. He turns it all around. He turns upside down, right side up. So now I have a big question for you. Are there people in your life who you can't even imagine eating a meal with or spending an evening next to? Just like the lion and the lamb, the child in the lions in the viper's den. Is there something that it's improbable? No, Pastor, it's impossible. I have news for you. With Jesus, the impossible can happen. Are you willing to let Him do something? You have to tell Him and give it to Him. Is there a specific relative or friend that's coming over that you really don't want to come over? So maybe you won't go over. Oh, but Christmas is at your house. And all of a sudden, you're going to get a phone call that you have to go to work. You know what I'm saying? You all figuring out plans on how to get out of your own house. You think with, there's just going to be trouble, Pastor. You don't get it. Well, no, I, I, I got that family too. They probably say the same thing about me. But they like my cooking, so they let me come. <laughs> Who is all about division? Who's all about hatred? About stealing, killing, and destroying? It ain't Jesus. But if Jesus is invited into your mess, into your trouble, into your struggle, into this thing that is so... I mean, you cannot unscramble this egg. It's that bad. And I say, if Jesus is in the middle of it, He'll make a brand new egg. He'll make it all brand new. I don't know how. Neither do you. So when it happens, you know it's Jesus. Folks, picture this with me. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And He looks out over all the people. He's looking at Him. And not to get graphic, but they ripped him of his clothes. They're humiliating him that as he's up there on the cross, he is naked. Not only the pain and the mockery of the sign, this is the king of the Jews, but he's naked and he's bleeding. And then, as he looks over and scans, Everyone there, you hear these words. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Can you imagine? All he had to do was say in a moment, Father, help! And he would have sent legions of angels. They were ready. But he says, forgive them. 
Folks, forgiveness is the doorway through which peace enters that hard, that callous, that broken place in our lives. Don't we all look forward to the day when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God and the world will be at peace because of Christ? Of course we do. The reality is reflected again in the book of Colossians here where Paul writes this in in chapter 1, verse 19, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, in Him meaning Christ, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. Did you catch that? Because of the blood of Jesus, it actually brought peace. Why? Because I was an adversary. I was an enemy of God. Because of the sin that happened in the garden. Remember eating that apple, right? We became the enemies of God. And because of Jesus, He became the set... I don't know if you guys ever caught this part. You know that they had like what we call them caveman suits, right? They had skins to cover their nakedness because the fig leaves didn't work right that was the very first sacrifice of animals for mankind so from the very beginning while still in the garden god all of a sudden is bringing this whole idea of the passover and now he brings it all the way up to this passover with jesus and he's now the sacrifice but not for the covering but for the forgiving You know what that word forgiving means? It actually is the word we would use for pardon. There's one thing to say, I forgive you, but that doesn't mean the same as pardon. When God says, I pardon you, I forgive you, it literally means I cancel it. It cannot be retried ever again. But there's new evidence. Doesn't matter. He canceled it. He forgave it. He dealt with it. It's paid in full. Wow. And He's wanting you and I do the same thing. He's saying, Marvin, you got to forgive. It's the doorway to peace. We just saw that in Colossians. When I really forgive somebody, I say three promises. Promise number one. Jack, I'm never going to throw this back in your face again what happened. I promise I'm done with it. Jack, I promise I'm never going to tell other people about what happened between me and you. Jack, it's over. And Jack, here's my third promise. I promise when I'm alone, I'm not going to meditate about this in secret. God forgave me like that. He doesn't remind me. He doesn't meditate, and He doesn't tell the angels or Jesus about it ever again either. That's how you forgive. Is there somebody you need to forgive? Because it is the doorway into peace and to hope. The arrival of Christ over 2,000 years ago changed everything. It brought hope. It brought peace, it brought joy, it brought love. In Philippians 4, verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Now this verse sounds different, doesn't it? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need 
Wow. And thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you're worried, if you're feeling anxious, if you're overwhelmed, you're discouraged, if you're fearful, then I want you to know it's time. It's time to come to Christ. It's time to let go of that offense. It's time to let go. And I'm not saying they didn't do wrong. (laughs) They probably did more wrong than you even know. But when you hold on to that wrong, and you say, I have my rights! My rights were violated! I didn't do anything to deserve that. Absolutely. Nobody's here to mess with that. But now, they're double dipping on your pain. They did you wrong and they took from you, they stole from you, or they gave you what you should not have ever received. And now, they're moving on with life and they're doing really well. Woo! And you're over here. And all they say, I I just asked for the butter. Where's your joy? Stuck in that bitterness. Stuck in that unforgiveness. Where's that peace? Where's that hope? Stuck over here. They do deserve. Neither do I. Neither do you. But Jesus gave me it. And He'll set you free. As you forgive others, God forgives you. And He blesses you. Lord, I pray for Your people. I pray for each and every one of us who, if we're being honest with the man or the woman in the mirror, each and every one of us knows there's something we need to forgive. We need to let go of this offense as wrong, as dark, and maybe even evil as it was, the longer we hold on to it, the more infected that scar becomes. And Lord, the worst thing is we could perpetrate that same sin to somebody else because it now has such a hold on our heart. God set us free because we forgive like You forgave. It's forgiveness that opens up the doorway to peace, to hope, to joy, to love. If you're here and you're saying, I, I, I really need to forgive, even if it's just one thing, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you real quick. Praise God. I've been hurt. I've been taken advantage of. It wasn't right. I didn't deserve that. And say these three things with me. Say, Jesus, I forgive. I promise not to throw this thing in their face. I promise not to tell other people about it. And I promise not to meditate on it. In Jesus' name. And Lord, when that thing comes and triggers and and it's rekindled, Lord, help me to just give it right back to You immediately. 
is something is said, something is done, and, and I feel that coming back into me. Lord, help me to bind it in the name of Jesus and give it right back to you. And not have to think I did something wrong. That's just how the enemy works. Lord, I pray blessing in Jesus' holy name. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.